2: Yes, and she was awesome. Uh, yes. It was just such a great interview. She has a new
1: book coming out. and um, It'll actually release the day Today. this goes live, I believe. Yeah. Or no, the day after. The day after this, the day, this goes live. Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, tomorrow. Well, that's good. Yeah, because. Okay, cool. Very good. That's awesome. Yes. And it's um, about how to launch a series. Yes. So, um, yeah. And we, we talked about, you know, kind of some what she wishes she wishes she had known topics. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about we really delved into like launching pre-orders, mm-hmm. art teams, street teams. What else? Yeah, we she about? has
2: an incredible uh, strategy for her street team. I mean, that was like. Worth the cost of admission right there. It was great. So, um, yeah, I think you guys are going to really love it. So
1: what's been going on with you, Sarah? Well, this is the week after Thanksgiving. So not a lot of writing stuff. But um, we went up to see family in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. And that was great. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of a sad time. I have a a relative who's not been doing well for a long time. And um, went into hospice and passed away like right after thanksgiving so so that kind of it just makes it a very difficult time so it was great to see everybody but um yeah that that was going on so like i'm traveling again next week for the memorial and Mm -hmm. you know you know how that just kind of yep throws everything off you know know, (laughs) what you're planning and stuff yeah It it does yeah so that's what's going on with me and um i actually have done a little bit of writing and mm-hmm. like end of year stuff, getting things yeah. organized for like the end yeah. of the year. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is like about it. I have nothing yeah. super, super writerly yeah, wise to talk about.
2: Yeah. What about you? Same here. I mean, you know, we, we were, it was Thanksgiving. Um, we had a great day on mm-hmm. Thursday. It was just my kids and my grandkids and my mother-in-law and husband and, um, it, we just had a great day. It was so fun. It it really was just so fun. And then on the last Saturday, we went to my mom's, um, and my, you know, all my sisters and stuff were there. And that was hard, harder than last year, which mm-hmm. I had heard could be, but I was like, oh no, no, we're better. It, it was hard. It was hard for me. I really don't know if anybody else it was hard for, but it was hard for me. And, um, thankfully we, you know, we had all the kids and so we left pretty, pretty soon after dinner, um, because, you know, they were going to play some games and stuff and our kid that was the last thing we needed with the kids. So we just left and, um, I think they ended up having a really good time, but I, it was just not. And I've I've struggled all week. All week mm-hmm. has been struggling, but I have written, so that's good. And um, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. But we yeah. should talk about um, our sponsor our, this today is the two authors chat show. Podcast. podcast. And I was a guest on the show. It's hosted by Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt. Um, and they are hilarious. And it is just a fun, chatty podcast. And uh, I laughed a lot when I was on it. And uh, they asked some really good questions. I think it's geared towards readers, but but authors, their audience has become a lot of authors because they just like hearing from Mm -hmm. other authors and Mm -hmm. uh so anyway it's really great it's the two authors chat show podcast and you can find it you know
1: um and we'll have a link in the yeah we'll have a link on the
2: show notes that's the
1: easiest way yeah yeah.
2: it's the easiest you know um but it's it's really is a fun it's a fun show and i you all should check it out
1: yeah so i'll put the link to your interview with On that, on yeah. that podcast, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. And, um, I'll read a quick little blurb that they said they use. It says, yeah, ever wonder how authors come up with the riveting stories readers love? Join bestselling novelists Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt every other Tuesday as they use audience questions and entertaining celebrity guests to often humorously delve into themes and topics they rarely stick to, which, you know, I totally understand that. Yeah. Because you don't have we a topic and then you we go off on a rabbit trail. Do so yeah so it says get a glimpse into the confusing minds of writers and enjoy lively banter with distinguished guests so we definitely encourage you to check that out and thank you to the two authors chat show for sponsoring this week we appreciate it
2: we really appreciate it thank you so much and we should get on
1: with the interview because it's yes yes so here is Helen well today we are really happy to talk with Helen Schroyer how are you Helen
2: I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk to you guys. Well, we're so glad you're back and we're very excited to talk today.
1: Yeah, I always love talking about series and launching a series today. So Jamie loves launching. Mm
2: -hmm. So we
1: will be in, you know, talking about our favorite things. So let me read your bio and we'll get started. Helen is a best-selling fantasy author. Her, Her love of writing and books led her to pursue a creative writing degree and a master's of publishing. She has been a full-time author since 2018 and now lives in the midst of the mountains in New Zealand, where she, const- where she is constantly dreaming up new stories.
2: Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> I probably do said that. that the last time uh, uh, you were on here. Well, give us a quick update on what's happened since you were last on the podcast.
0: Um, so I think I was on maybe about this time last year actually um, mm-hmm. and there's there's been a lot uh, that's happened basically. Um, so this year I made the switch from YA epic fantasy to epic romantic fantasy for adults, mm-hmm. so a lot more romance.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so basically it's just been this huge year of transition. I've released three books in that genre um, mm-hmm. as well as the non-fiction book we're talking about today. Um and yeah, it's, it's just been huge. I've got a new agent. I've had foreign translation deals. Um, I was part of a multi-author series. It's been, it's been massive really. So, um, on one hand, it feels like it's gone really, really quickly. And then Mm -hmm. when I list stuff like that, it feels like it's been about 10 years. So, (laughs) (laughs) well,
2: that's exciting. Um, so your agent, um, that's for your foreign stuff, or are you trying to shop with traditional publishers?
0: Oh, it's basically everything: uh audio, um foreign translations, and then if if and when trad, you know, comes along, yeah. then he'll deal with that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just sort of a big umbrella for everything.
1: That's awesome. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like you've had a lot going on. So, yes. in that short <laughs> amount of time, uh, yeah. what what is the most important lesson you've learned recently?
0: Oh, I've learned some hard lessons this year. Um, I think one really interesting thing that I learned this year was so, my number one strength is focus. And when it's fractured, I really struggle to function. Mm. And funnily enough, how I set up this year in terms of not only my writing, but my publication schedule, it was just fracture city. So, I released mm. book one in a new series. Then I released a standalone fantasy romance that could be read as a prequel, so it wasn't like a, um, a subsequent book and it was part of a multi-author series. Mm. Then I released book two in the main series. Oh, then I, then I've, I have released or have will release by the time this goes live, uh, the non-fiction book, um, How to Launch a Successful Series. And just that process of book one, standalone, book two, a non-fiction book. Then in amongst publishing all of that, trying to write books three and four in the main series, it was really, really hard to get back into the swing of the story. And then in terms of the marketing, I think my marketing has like quite a natural progression in storytelling. But then the way I'd published, it just – it just broke all that up, and so my marketing didn't tell like one coherent story. Mm-hmm. And I found the writing, the publishing, and the marketing all quite difficult because I was jumping in and out of so many different projects. Um, so that that was quite difficult. And then in amongst all of that, I did two international trips this year, and it just everything felt very messy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so going forward, like I think I've learned that I need to write right from book one through to the end of the book and publish that way as well and not sort of break it up with other things in between. And that's just like a me personal thing, like everybody's different, but I found that very challenging this year. So yeah, I learned not to do that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so had you written um books one and two or before you published? Did you write the early ones first and bank them?
0: Um so I'd written book one. And then along came this opportunity to be part of a multi-author series, and that Mm -hmm. was a standalone set in the same world as the main series that I was doing. And I strategically did it as a prequel so then I could market Mm -hmm. it that way later down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had those two banked before they came out. And then while they were coming out, I was writing the second book in the series and Mm -hmm. I was... Either writing or or um, editing the nonfiction book, so it just all, it felt very um, very messy to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that process, in terms on a on a craft level, because I wasn't going from the start of the story to the end of the story, it knocked my confidence a little in the later books when I I was questioning the consistency in like plot points and stuff. I was mm-hmm. you know struggling to remember certain things because <laughs> I'd done so many things in between. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's I, I learned. Maybe that's not the best way for me to work in future. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, besides that, uh, what's the biggest change in you've had to make in your thinking or your mindset, like moving from one genre to an to the next, um, going into nonfiction, things like that? I mean, has there been a shift in your <laughs> mindset?
0: Well. The going into nonfiction was actually an initial shift in mindset anyway. It was part of my diversification of income strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um because my fiction is currently all in KU, which is a bit of a wobbly topic half the time. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you? A bit, Yeah, it's a bit scary uh, <laughs> when you hear all these horror stories and and whatnot. Um, and I had ideas for for the nonfiction books. Um you know, two years ago or so. Mm -hmm. And so I I went down that path initially as part of a diversification in terms of, you know, looking towards the future. What if this happens? What? How can I, you know, create a Mm -hmm. safety net elsewhere, that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. So the nonfiction was part of that um, mindset shift. I think I've also really learned to lean into my strengths. So like we were saying above, like I learned not to you know mess up the process of writing books one to three sort of thing right and in a in a similar respect i've also learned like i go through these phases where i want to do all the things i want to do a kickstarter i want to do a shopify store i want to you know actually <laughs> write the books that i'm going to put into these things um and i think the mindset shift that i've had is that it's okay to put certain things on the back burner To give myself permission to just do one thing at a time and then Mm -hmm. reassess later. And one little tool that I've sort of been using that a coach recommended to me was when I sort of get this overwhelm of I want to do all the things, create like a task in my calendar so that, you know, in three months' time, it's like now reconsider starting Shopify store or reconsider Kickstarter. And I'll put it three months down the line and then mm-hmm. i can get it out of my head and it's not just churning and churning right you know um, that
2: you know there's a time coming when you are exactly. going to try to deal with that yeah that makes sense yeah
0: yeah exactly so those those things and then also it's one other mindset thing is that i always come back to production is always the priority mm-hmm. and that can mean you know editing writing brainstorming outlining whatever but it's the production of that Book that comes first mm-hmm. that day mm-hmm. that week whatever and it means that admin sometimes falls by the wayside sometimes it means that in between these things I have to do a week of admin or a week of marketing mm-hmm. but I think I've just learned that that actually works well for me and there's not sort of one one size fits all so mm-hmm. sort of coming to terms with that and wrapping my mind around it I think has definitely you know shaped some of these changes in mindset and business strategy I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, mentioning business strategy, since uh, you talked about earlier, or just a little while ago, about how things have changed, and you were using nonfiction as a way to diversify your income. So, have you done anything else, like to change your business model recently?
0: Um. So I'm, like I said, I'm in this sort of big year of transition. Mm -hmm. So it's all sort of in in progress. I've not got you know, this amazing story about how I changed one thing overnight. Um, But I guess two two clear things that stick out, well, three maybe. Um, So in the past, I've never really set measurable goals, um, whether that's income, whether it's, you know, pre-order goals, newsletter growth, Mm -hmm. social media growth. Um, And this year, because it's been such a major year of transition and quite a major year of growth for me, I'm really kicking myself that at the start of the year I didn't write things down like, you know, how many Instagram followers I had, Mm -hmm. how many, you know, like little things like that that would take Mm -hmm. two seconds if I gave myself a half hour, let's track this stuff at the beginning of, say, the quarter and the end of the quarter. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't do that. It was just like, you know, um, draft this book or send this to this person, like those sort of things. So one thing going into the new year that I'm definitely going to do is create clear, measured goals and do them as quarter quarterly. So it's not this huge kind of overwhelming task of trying to measure it out across an entire year, but right. you know, checking in every quarter and seeing how things grow and seeing how right. I, I can pivot um, to improve certain things. So that's definitely one. Um one other thing, which I'm not sure is I, I suppose it's business, but I've built market research into my production schedule, Mm -hmm. my sort of timeline for the year, whereas before it would be like, you know, read 10 comp titles, but I'm just expected to do that in and around working full time as a writer. Mm -hmm. Just some time, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you know it, it's not always perfect but i've definitely tried to you know say next week i'm in between editing a book and starting another book and i'm i'm giving myself a week to do things mm-hmm. like read comp titles like that is part of my job it's not something that i need to cram in half an hour before i go to bed every night right. um you know market research in terms of studying what other authors are doing for their release strategies looking into new categories like all those sorts of things that seem like these like floating, tiny admin tasks that we do in and around everything else, I want to have dedicated business time in my work, you know, um, mm-hmm. in my work time frame for that. Um, because otherwise, it'll either just get pushed further and further down the line until I don't do it, mm-hmm. or I'll, I'll burn out because I can't do that every night before I go to sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then the major thing that I'm doing that I'm in the very early stages of doing is again trying to diversify income into selling direct. So that is super early. My store is a, a skeleton at the moment, but that is uh, <laughs> that's, one, that's one part of the business model that's definitely very slowly but changing down the line. That's good. That's
2: that's yeah. I think those are great things to um, be looking at with your business model. I think that the whole thing of Uh, measuring, taking some measurements of things Mm -hmm. quarterly is a great idea because it is overwhelming or you can be having like a year like me, which is feels really down. But then when I do look at my Instagram followers, I do have a lot more followers now than I did at the beginning of the year and which why I have no idea. But um, (laughs) I mean, it's things like that, but it's easy to lose track of those things and not see the good that's
0: yeah absolutely celebrate those celebrate those wins because that's right. something I'm quite guilty of is mm-hmm. you know I'll I'll achieve something but then you're already chugging along halfway mm-hmm. through the next thing and you don't take that moment to go oh yeah. I've grown my Instagram account by 30 percent in the last yeah. quarter or you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just sort of all bleeds into to the next thing right right
2: well um so Let's talk about mistakes or um, <laughs> learning opportunities, as as they may be. But how do you how do you recover when things go wrong? Or are you one of those people that are just like, "Ooh, I want to fail fast so that I learn faster"? Or, or are you like Sarah and myself? <laughs> we have to lick our wounds for quite a while and then we get back on the horse. And
0: yeah, you know. I'm definitely like you guys. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> like. I've never, I've never liked making mistakes. Um, yes. and I tend, I tend to make the same ones over and over and over mm-hmm. again before I actually learn the lesson. Like, so some mm-hmm. of the ones that I've made this year, like committing to things without really interrogating the details of what I'm committing to, yeah. um, yes. buying courses or software that you know, everyone's raving about, but maybe they don't suit me personally. Mm-hmm. They, they could be the best course in the world, but if it doesn't suit you, then mm-hmm. it's not going to be any good. Um, right. and, and then another one is listening to people who speak with just such Certainty and authority, (laughs) but don't necessarily know better than me. And I'm really guilty if someone goes, "Oh yeah, the moon is definitely blue." I'll go, "Oh yeah, it's probably blue." Like, so something's wrong with my eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I've I've done a lot of that this year, and the recovery process. I'm I'm not overly adaptable, so I'm at 33. Adaptable strength, I think, in my Clifton mm-hmm. strength. So <laughs> I find I find that very difficult. So, like like you were saying, it'll take me a while to go to lick my wounds and you know realize, well, this definitely isn't a superpower of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have a rant to a friend or my partner, maybe journal about it. Take the time to sort of go, yep, that was a big mistake, <laughs> and then and then I try and move on. And whether that's how long that takes depends, I suppose, on the on the gravity of the <laughs> the mistake. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I don't really have a, a great solution for that. I just right. binge about it and then try and move on. <laughs> right. I mean, what
2: I have learned is there are very few mistakes that are, that you can't recover from. I mean, it may take a little more work or effort, but most mistakes you and and from doing this podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we've we've listened to hundreds of people now talk about how, you know, they wish they had known about this or that because it would have made things easier or it was a mistake and they corrected it. But there's very little you can't recover from, which is encouraging. It's just hard when it happens.
0: Yeah. When you're in the thick of it, it's hard to see that. Yeah. It's very easy when someone, when it happens to someone else and you go, Oh, don't worry about it. It'll be don't fine. worry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so mm-hmm. different when it's a personal mistake, when it's right, right, personal right. to you, totally yeah. different level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely want to talk about your new book. It's um, how to launch a successful series. So tell us a little bit about the book and um, like how you came to write it and kind of what it covers.
0: Sure. So um, when I last talked to you guys, I talked about my first nonfiction book, which was how to write a successful series. And funnily enough, the draft of that first book was previously twice the size. And I had a, a friend of mine tell me this is actually more than one book. And so hmm. with that draft, I, I kind of cut it in half or cut it in thirds and um, realised there was actually like a natural progression from the first book to the second. Um, And so, yeah, pretty much from the first book, I'd always planned to do um, how to launch a successful series as well. But what I love about this one is it really taps into like my love of strategies and systems and all that nerdy stuff. Um, (laughs) And I approached this one a little bit differently to my first one in that I actually interviewed a bunch of authors for it. Um, So throughout it, you'll get things like um, snippets from my author diaries, like when I'm struggling in the middle of a launch, I've got like excerpts from different periods of time. So I've launched three series so far and I have a case study for each of them in a section at the back of the book so people can see because I launched in very different styles for all of them. Um, so author diaries, and then, yeah, I I talked to, uh, maybe, maybe about 10 other authors about their different launch strategies. And that was really, really interesting. Um, so yeah, I sort of, I cover everything from, you know, sort of understanding different launch styles. And it's similar to what Elena Johnson talks about in terms of like hot, hard, medium and soft launches, that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, the cost of launching, perfecting your back matter. Um, and then my, I think my favorite section is sort of launch marketing, which is reviewers and art campaigns, street teams, um, strategic pre-order strategies, newsletter marketing, all that sort of stuff. That's really my cup of tea. So I dig quite deep there. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's just a natural progression from the first book. Once you've got a series, what do you do with it sort of thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Well, um, let's talk about the um, marketing, like the timing of launches, because that's always a question people have is like, how should I time my launches for my series? And then um, that will probably branch out into marketing. So talk about timing first, and then we'll kind of get into marketing.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, like, I suppose it's like anything, it really just has to suit the individual author. But where I've sort of looked at it from is that my first series, The Oromir Chronicles, I only launched one book a year. The second mm-hmm. series, which was Curse of the Siren Queen, I did two books a year. This current series, it's a, it's a bit of a mishmash because I had that standalone in the middle. Had I not had the standalone, I would have had three books out this year, mm-hmm. um, or three fiction books. So each, each one has been a different, um, timing sort of in, um, timing strategy, but also each one had a different pricing strategy. So my first hmm. series launched at 99 cents for X amount of time. Um, the second series was full price but no pre-orders. The hmm. um, third series was quite heavily leaning on the pre-order strategy. Um, the second series did have pre-orders but only after the first book had already been out. Um, so, yeah, and, and I mean, that has I guess that's like a nice sort of glimpse at how different the timing of launches can be Mm -hmm. and how each one can work. Mm -hmm. So when I did one book a year, I was um, still working and through that, then I, like uh, working a day job, sorry, Um, and then through the publication of that first book, then I was able to um, quit the day job and and go full-time as an author. But I was still very much... I've got a background in traditional publishing through my masters and so I'd sort of been taught like one book a year was the way to go which is Mm -hmm. quite opposite to indies which is like you know rapid release so um that was sort of how I looked at it that that first series and then the second series once I'd you know gone through a lot of learning curves with the first one I was like I think you know now that I um write full-time I can potentially do two books a year Mm -hmm. see how that goes Mm -hmm. and it's it's all trial and error um mm-hmm. depends what else you've got on like you know that first time that i published i was still working the day job so i couldn't have written three books in a year whereas mm-hmm. now that's around about where i'm at so mm-hmm. i suppose it depends what else you have on in your life how fast you write also how hard you're going to launch so my launches tend to be quite intense um that's how i like it um and it's sort of like a really intense period followed by, okay, I'm going to go back into my cave and not talk <laughs> to anyone, period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how it's like, you know, how much energy do you have? How much money is in the budget for things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all very interconnected and it's all very personal to the individual author, I think. So I don't mm-hmm. know if I actually answered your question.
1: No, I, I think, think you did. did. Yeah. 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 And I love that, that it's like for you, it's been something that's changed over time. and that's you know what what happens with most people with everything. like you try something, then you modify a little bit and do something different. But it just goes to show that you can do one thing and then you can transition to another. You don't always mm-hmm. have to launch, have a year pre-order or mm-hmm. always rapid mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tailor it to fit like you're saying, your personality, your lifestyle, whatever you have going on. So, yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. And I mean, even this year is an interesting sort of case study for it. So, I I launched um, book one in a series, standalone, then book two in a series, and they were all hard launches. And now that my nonfiction book is coming out, I made the decision after three hard launches that for that one, the last one of the year, I needed to do a soft launch because mm-hmm. I just. I've got very little left in the tank Mm -hmm. and also that's not my main source of income. So it's also your priorities. Like my fiction is my main Mm -hmm. um, bread and butter. And so I've, I can afford to make that call. Maybe the nonfiction, I don't push as hard because also come the beginning of next year, I'm going to be pushing hard again with book three and four in Mm -hmm. the fiction series. So Mm. I think there's an element of strategic and also being aware of like your own mental health and capabilities and all that sort of stuff as well. Right, right. Well,
2: how are how are you using pre-orders and your art team
0: for your launch? Um in in quite a quite a big way in this most recent series, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. so my I don't have a right, I'll start that again. For pre-orders, mm-hmm. I um I've lent on them quite heavily with the most recent series. Previously I live launched the first series, like literally hit the button and on the day mm-hmm. it went, um, it went live. Um, for Curse of Siren Queen, my second series, I think I only had maybe a two-week um pre-order for the first book. And it was literally so I could have the link to then schedule things because mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. per, for me personally, I don't like scrambling to get the link right. to do this to do that. I like it all done in advance. Mm-hmm. Um but you know 2 weeks isn't a very long pre-order period. No, so I would say I would say I I relied very heavily on pre-orders for the most recent series and for book 1 I pushed quite hard um and it's I found it's quite difficult especially when you're in KU to push book 1 of a new series as a pre-order mm-hmm. um but I pushed quite hard and I did things like pre-order strategies uh, not strategies pre-order incentives mm-hmm. so if you submitted your proof of purchase to me, you got, you know, the first three chapters of the book immediately, you got a free um, prequel novella. I think you got a map, you got the book's playlist and I created like a little bonus bundle essentially Mm -hmm. so that, you know, I could shout about it to my newsletter on social media, that sort of thing. So that was book one and that worked quite well. And then what I've done is, um, Pre-order chaining, and that's not my term. I think that's uh, Nicholas Eric's term, but I really mm-hmm. liked it, so I'm mm-hmm. borrowing it. Um, <laughs> so basically, that means at the back of book one, it, it it ends, and then immediately is the link for the pre-order to book two.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's mm-hmm. it's not the next page, not anything like that. It's you know, if you're lucky, you get an ornamental break, and then mm-hmm. want to find out what happens next, pre-order here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that has worked incredibly well. It's the first link that I have. And um all my books in this particular genre end on a cliffhanger. So that also helps like that's mm-hmm. part of the marketing baked into the actual content of the book right, as well. Right, right. Um, and so that's each pre-order so far anyway in this series has been significantly more than the last, which mm-hmm. is always very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's pretty much how I use pre-orders. It's it's not overly complicated. Um, a sort of a combination of that pre-order chaining and then if need be, particularly for the first in, in a new series or maybe the first in a new romance arc in mm-hmm. like a longer series, mm-hmm. I would do a pre-order incentive sort of thing. Um, so that's pre-orders. And then with my arc team, I actually don't have a major arc team as such. I actually utilise a street team more, which is very much more promotional so Mm -hmm. they get arcs but that's part it's only part of the puzzle so they'll get an arc they'll get um like a welcome pack I send them a link to media materials so that's high-res cover files 3d images tropes Mm -hmm. list media kit anything and everything they might need to then create content for me to then promote the book Mm -hmm. and I have a I have a discord server and it, it's been really successful. And that's the first time I've done a street team at this sort of level. And it has really, really pushed, like, the the limits of what I've done before. And it's been really, really powerful. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's sort of the gist of it. <laughs> wow, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, so the, that's... your Discord group, like, how many people are in it?
0: Um, so the discord group, I think the last street, so I basically do this for each launch and they don't, they don't all just sit in there. Oh, I like, I like to have, it's not an ongoing thing. It's Mm -hmm. just a launch period thing. Um, Mm -hmm. it's different to say like a reader group. Um, it's just mm -hmm. for launches. Um, and that's because I like to have the control over, you know, maybe someone was super active in the first one, mm-hmm. but then they just get added to the second one. They're not active and then they're just there. Mm-hmm. I would like to have the spots available to the people who are really passionate about it, especially, you know, the further you get into the series. Right, sure. The, you know, the deeper the sort of um, mm-hmm. passion for it goes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, each each time I'm having a launch, I'll do um, a street team expression of interest form, um, people fill that out. I send it to my newsletter and my social media stuff. And from there, it could be 30 to 50 people. Usually uh, it's like 30 to 40 because otherwise it gets a bit hectic. Um, mm-hmm. And my, I, I now have an assistant helping me with it um, and she monitors it on a daily basis and I just sort of pop in and out. Mm-hmm. And what I do well in advance of all of this is – that um, weekly weekly challenges for the street team. So say the street team promotional period um, is four weeks long, you know, one before week, lo- one before launch week, one at launch week, the week after and the week after that, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And each week the street team will get a different challenge mm-hmm. and they will all, so the challenge could be, you know, uh, post a quote graphic of this particular book or post an aesthetic reel of this particular book. Right. And if if they screenshot that they've done it and put it in the group, they then go in the draw to win a the prize for the week, which could oh. be anything from like an omnibus or a hardcover or this, that, the other sort of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um yeah. And it's worked really, really well so far. Um and it's been really fun because also it's sort of acted as live market research for the mm-hmm. following books in the series. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as they read it, you know, you see all their reactions about Mm -hmm. the love interest or the side character or their theories about where the plot is going. So that's definitely been fun as well. Yeah, that is great. Fantastic, yeah.
2: Yeah, That's
0: a a masterclass, y'all,
2: on on launching it and using your your readers and your fans to help you get that book seen. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's
0: awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's like you're kind of guiding them into the type of content or like you're suggesting that, hey, this would be a great time to do this. And yeah. a lot of times when I've done things in the past, it's like I send out the books and I'm like, please post your review, you know, <laughs> and I, you can't really ask for a review. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I don't want to pressure people. And I've had people like, oh, my gosh. And so basically all I've done is focused on reviews. But by doing that, you're giving them suggestions. <laughs> of what to do you know so I think that's great it kind of yeah guides them into the content creation so that's awesome yeah
0: absolutely and I mean I try and make it easy as possible like I said you know giving them the list of tropes if they want to create like a trope video Mm -hmm. or suggested quotes from the book and it's always like here is a starting point but feel Mm -hmm. free to to go and grab your own that sort of stuff you know because also it's it's fun and creative for them to do and you don't want to take away from that. (laughs) Um, And then I suppose one other good thing that's worked when you're at the later books in the series, in order to um, be sort of eligible to be part of the street team in those later books, you have to include a link to your reviews from the previous book because Mm -hmm. there's no point in taking on someone who either hated the first two books or hasn't bothered to leave a review so then are they really going to be an active participant in this street team that is very like, it's quite full on for, for four weeks. So you want to make sure the people in it are super excited to be there.
2: Right. And and I think I've seen people, you know, not want to hurt people's feelings if they, you know, if they left a a, lot you know, even a three-star review, Um, Mm -hmm. if they're on your art team, in my opinion, they should not be even a three-star review or they should wait until more reviews come out. Then if they want to leave that three-star review, they can. But I I feel really strongly about that. I mean, they get a free book, they get early access, they, you know, it's a privilege. And yes, I want an honest review, but I kind of don't either. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you don't, know what I don't mean?
0: Hurt, don't hurt the promotional Don't period, hurt the I promotion, think, yeah.
2: exactly. Yeah. And if, if they've been on any arc teams, they know that's the rule. You know 100%. what I mean? It's just, Absolutely. so to to not give them a book the next time, I, I don't have a problem with doing that at all. And yeah, um, because this is your business, this is your book and it gets, really it gets one chance. Now you may get to, do something later that could help promote the book too. But this is its launch. And especially if you're in KU, you need you need a good launch, you know? Yeah. And so I think you have to be really strategic about that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely.
1: And, yeah. And by having a different team for each book, that mm-hmm. allows you to kind of vet each mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. And so that would make that a lot less painful if yeah. you're... yeah. Applying for each one. So that's a good way to handle that. Yeah. You don't actually have exactly. to tell people, no, you don't get a book. Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, how how I do it is at the top of the form, it says only successful applicants will be contacted. So I'm not having yeah. to send rejection uh, mm-hmm. rails to yeah. anybody. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, creating it again and again for each launch, it's like I've got the skeleton of the Discord each time. So I just mm-hmm. delete the content in it, keep all the channels and mm-hmm start again. Yeah. And I mean, some people might find that a bit, uh, tedious, but I think for me personally, the benefits outweigh the cons in how I work anyway. So I'm sure there's other streamlined ways of doing it if that's not your style.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it's a great jumping off point for people to Mm -hmm. think of things that they can do in their own way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we would be remiss if we did not ask the question, what do you wish you'd known about launching? (laughs) oh
0: dear um I think I think I if I could go back I would tell myself that maybe launching a standalone in the middle of uh, an ongoing series is not the best way to do it um I mean I was I was in a I was in a sort of situation there where the opportunity came to be in something I wanted to be a part of so I took the hit in the you know fractured focus and the lack of streamlining across my series to be a part of this really cool thing, um, so that's fine. But you know, if if I could tell myself again, I would I would say mm, you know next time maybe don't do that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I always forget to count. They call it like the the opportunity cost, you know, where if like you're going to do something, you're not going to be able to do something else. And I always forget to count that. That's something I need to make a little note and stick Mm -hmm. in the computer.
0: That's definitely me as well. I sort of uh, got super excited about it and thought, oh, I'll just write an extra book this year. Not that it'll take away from the other book that I could have done, but it was all fine yes yes
2: well what do what are some common mistakes you see authors making when they launch a series
0: um so I suppose one that I've learned personally is not managing expectations yeah, <laughs> that's, <yeah>. a, <laughs> that's a tricky one so <clears throat> I'm I'm in this weird position where the first series that I wrote actually did really well and I didn't really understand that at the time I was like oh yeah it's doing well it just must happen to everybody Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. when the when the second series came along I just thought it'll be a repeat of that first series in terms of income in terms of everything Mm -hmm. and it wasn't Mm -mm. it absolutely wasn't and you know I didn't I didn't take into consideration the fact that I essentially took a year off In between series. So that was I was like, oh, I'm gonna take a year off and then stockpile and then you know, semi rapid release and have all these like really cool things. Right. And I I did all of that. I mean semi rapid release. It was two books a year, but that was quite rapid for me. Um and yeah, then I was incredibly disappointed when this second series, and it it did fine, it just didn't do what the first one did, and right. because my expectations were so high from that yeah. first series, it really put me into a spiral, mm-hmm. and it really made me, you know, second guess myself. What, and personally, I think that second series, craft wise, is much better because it's a second series. Like mm-hmm. I learnt a lot, put those mm-hmm. lessons into play. Right. Um, but it it was just slightly off market. I'd taken a year off um, mm-hmm. the release the release calendar. And didn't really factor that into expectations, and I didn't set any goals. So, that's another thing where you know we were talking about setting measured and tracked goals.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: didn't have anything like that. I was like, well, this is just going to make six figures. No, it's not, mm-hmm. that's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then that I suppose leads into another one like not tracking data. Um, yeah. so you know pre-orders for book one compared to pre-orders for book two, how that grows to book three and four and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one that I suppose I see is people discounting too soon. Um, yeah. So they'll launch launch at full price and then two weeks, one week later it's 99 cents. Mm-hmm. And I just think that sort of punishes the most loyal people who bought it yeah. at full price. Yeah. Um, and it sort of removes the power of using – that sale later down the line when maybe you launch book 2 or 3 mm-hmm. and you want to do a promo to breathe new life back into mm-hmm. the start of the series mm-hmm. depending on how many times it's already been on sale that pushes a lot weaker yeah um, mm-hmm. so that's those are some things off the top mm-hmm. of my head yeah Yeah. i mean it's like you're reading
2: my diary uh <laughs> on the first thing because i mean that's exactly what i mean my bride series What I didn't know was at the time that it was that was a bit of a unicorn happening um, Mm -hmm. for that series. It just did so well. And the second series, I had the same expectations and I put that first book out, spent a lot of money and I did break the top 100 for release, but it just never did what. I mean, it did fine. It really yeah. did, you know, And that's, that's, good. It, 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 did did well. it did well, it did well, Yeah. but it didn't do what the bride's books did and it still hasn't. And so because of that, I did get on that spiral. And once you're on it, it's really hard to see things with the right perspective and very and clearly. So if you go into things with a better, you know, with just some managing your expectations. I think that's yeah. You,
0: Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this goes very nicely into um, (laughs) (laughs) one question that we also wanted to ask was you have a chapter on self-care. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Like what kind of mindset do authors need to take care of themselves during launching? I mean, not having maybe, maybe realizing that every book is or every series is its own thing and not, assuming that the same thing will happen again would be good, (laughs) but we all have that issue. But um, anything else on self-care that that you would recommend authors do?
0: Yeah. So it's funny because in the self-care chapter, like obviously I'm not a mental health expert or anything like that. It's all sort of based on, each time I've launched a book, each time I've launched a series, you just learn something new. So it's kind of right. with that lens. Um, so I do talk about managing expectations because of the lesson learnt that we just discussed. Because <laughs> yes. um, I reckon that took me two years to get out of that funk of thinking mm-hmm. that this the second series was a failure. And then that led into every time that I needed to make a decision about the third series, second-guessed absolutely yeah. everything, um I cut back on a lot of costs cuz I'd done a similar thing where second series I thought oh well the first series made so much money I'm going to put more money into this one and then it just didn't you know lift mm-hmm. off in the same way. So yeah, I talk about managing expectations a little bit. Um also I've really learned that finding your people is a massive massive help so My first series, I didn't really have any author friends and I wasn't really Mm. part of a a massive author community or anything like that. And so I'd go through all the cycles that I still go through of this, you know, pushing so hard and everything is just go, 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 and you're talking to so many people. And as an introvert as well, that exhausts me. Mm. Um, And I did the first series completely alone and then was borderline burnout after each one and sort of thinking that that was normal. Um, And so over the last two series, I've made a couple of, I've made some friends. Um, And so (laughs) I actually, you know, can talk to people about it, you know, talk about just release strategies or, you know, if it maybe it's just venting about this thing went wrong with Amazon or they won't link my paperback or, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, So that's definitely helped being able to talk to other people about it and you know a lot of the time you talk about it and then you feel better um yeah. and then I suppose learning my own sort of um pattern with launches which is almost <laughs> this crash and burn style where I go really hard and then I I need to recover um and this is like I said at the beginning, you know, there are certain mistakes you got to make over and over again until until you um, you learn the lesson. And this is one I've learned again and again, like nearly every launch. After a launch, I cannot expect the next day to just keep writing a book. I can't expect to you know write four thousand words that day. It's just not going to happen. Um, so now, like around launch time, launch day, also because I'm in New Zealand um or australia depending on where i am um my launch date isn't actually the worldwide launch day and so i'm sat right. here going oh my god nothing's happening like everything <laughs> like you know nothing, there's no there's no rank there's no bestseller and i know i know why it's cuz yeah. i'm in the future but it doesn't stop me sitting there refresh 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 yeah. so now on like my new zealand slash australia launch days i take myself out to brunch um, and I take a book and I have a mimosa and I sit there and just try and forget about it for a little bit. And that has been so helpful because that's great. Just yeah, just sitting at home worrying about it does me know Screening no your
2: finger refreshing.
0: That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's That's all stuff that's personal to me, but like everybody will have a different thing. And I think with each launch, you know, maybe do a lessons learned thing about how you feel about what worked and didn't work. And then that reflection can help inform how you then go into the next one and maybe each time you learn to take care of yourself just a little bit better and yeah. a little bit better. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Doing a post-mortem on each, on each launch is not a bad mm-hmm. idea because, exactly. and I don't, I mean, like I cannot do that either. Clearly people know this about me, but, but I do Um, like a lot happens with my launches between when I send it to the editor into the launch I mean you know there's a lot compacted and crushed into that time and then I go hard on the launch and I'm exhausted yeah like my my brain is mentally just not prepared to sit down and write another book I don't want to go back to the book I just finished I want to just be in a space where there are no books that yep, require exactly. me to write them at that moment and mm-hmm. um so I get that but but thinking about what I could have done better to to be to make the process easier on me and the people around me is that's mm-hmm. a great thing to do uh, and yeah. do it well while it's fresh in your mind yeah mm-hmm.
0: exactly and maybe have the mindset like you're not going to have the perfect uh launch every time, and you know these things like self-care for series launching like everything I'm saying I've learned over six years it's not yeah. like I launched one book and then thought, oh now I have the answer it's to ha- it's to go to brunch and it's to right. time right. this that and the other you know it's not yeah. an overnight thing so no. and it'll be different for everyone right
2: no. well, this has been awesome uh um, if you had to start over today, what would you do differently?
0: Oh, put me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> um, I think maybe not have that gap year between series. I think that really yeah. hurt It hurt my career. Like I launched mm-hmm. a prequel collection and I launched an omnibus thinking that they were the same as launching a full-length fantasy novel, which is yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, so I might have even said that last time. Um, but that <laughs> basically put me back a yeah. year and a bit in my right. career I would I would be in a much different a uh, very different place right now had I right. not done that um but also better to do that in the early days than mm-hmm, you know yeah. 10 years into the career where you've right. like established everything that you're doing um right. so yeah I might have might have changed that might have done that a bit differently
1: yeah great, great. well as Jamie said, this has been great. And I think yes. you've given such, um, interesting ideas yes. that, I mean, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about like discord servers and mm-hmm. like such interesting things. Information.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I think oh, really good. I'm good. glad you liked it. <laughs> so tell everybody where they can find out about you and your books.
0: Um, so you can go to dot I'm sure you can put that in the show notes with my uh, last name. Yes. It's a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, HelenShora.com and all my books are on Amazon. My fiction is in KU. My nonfiction is wide. Um, and yeah, that's I'm I'm on Instagram, but my social media platforms are all pretty much for my fiction. Um, my nonfiction is um I've got a a bit in the menu on my website that says for authors, and you can sign up to my mailing list and stuff there. Um and yeah, that's that's about it.
2: That's great. There. Well. Thanks for listening today. I'm going to do the outro. Um, you guys can support the podcast at wish I'd known them for backslash support. And we always, we just appreciate our supporters so much. And, and don't forget to listen to Nick and Doug on the two authors chat podcast. And um, we will see you guys next week on the wish I'd known them for writers podcast.